0: Lord, thank you so much for uh, the luxury of gathering in this wonderful place with these great friends and Christian brothers and sisters, and all those uh, watching or listening uh, via Facebook or the internet. And we ask God that uh, you unite us as community of faith as we in this in these next few weeks consider the impact and power of the christmas story upon the world and upon each of our lives uh, as we delve into these concepts lord increase not only our understanding but inspire us uh, by being able to experience christmas anew in fresh ways and i ask you to be with our our comments with our and in our discussion but well, we ask this in christ's name amen. Amen. amen all right first chapter is on light you these back
1: sometimes i jot notes yeah. is it okay to no
0: them? that belongs to you and i just okay. told somebody else that too okay. somebody's asking do we save these? we took no that book belongs to you right, right. and i'm as i'm saying and i am noticed shelly didn't get one now you weren't here sunday i already gave darlings Oh, did you? To Jerry, right here. Okay,
1: we'll, to we'll,
0: Jerry. we'll get you one. Um, we There's never, the me-
1: and here, she needs one
0: too. Oh, you need so one. Right. See, no matter how many times, and I, I you, she said how many books to buy, this is my fault. I've done this a million times and I never order enough books. I always so underestimate. So, do we pay you for the No. no. And thanks for your gift. And, uh, Mary did make a gift for you. Oh, you didn't tell me that. Thank you. i I
1: Thanks
0: for Anyway, the scripture, for those of you at home that don't have books, uh, the scripture, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and then verses 5 through 7 and uh, this is a passage that you you've probably heard before but i'm going to read it aloud cuz we're going to talk about each each facet of this passage this is god's word uh, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness a light has dawned every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It makes me think of Handel uh, when he wrote The Messiah, Uh, You know, he pondered, as he pondered the scripture, he wrote the Messiah. Uh, Do you remember Rick or Chris or any of the other music aficionados? It didn't take him very long to write that. No. Was it something like, I'm remembering the word 57. Was it 57 days or was it 57 hours?
1: It was like he was possessed, not in a positive sense, that this all came to him and then he he just, you know,
0: furiously wrote the whole thing. Yes. Uh, it's like wow. God God just gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, you know, far from the point, but Paul McCartney also, this: the most recorded song of all time, the most re-recorded song of all time is called Yesterday by Paul McCartney. You hear it in elevator music. You hear people singing it they said, how did you write that song? He said, I dreamed it. I said, what? He said, I dreamed it. I woke up in the morning with the words and the music in my head and how people don't know this, but how they used to, they didn't read music. This pertains to what we're talking about too. They didn't read Beatles didn't read music. None of them. their recorder, George Martin, who's called the fifth Beatle. He's a musician. He worked in EMI studios in London. You knew this, right? Anyway, so how they would do it is that the they kept cassette recorders by their uh, they kept tape recorders uh, because that was a modern thing in the '60s, a tape recorder. But they kept them by their bed, and when they when he woke up, he sung the tune, verse by verse, into tape recorder he took it in the studio gave it to George Martin and then George Martin scored it so like that. so uh, when God it's called revelation when God gives something to you you don't have to think it up you don't have to uh, conjure it he gives it to you and it's like you're talking you're repeating something some a story somebody told you that's revelation So when he when and that's going to come into this uh, when God when Jesus comes into the world, God reveals Himself to the world in Christ. The world didn't know any of this before this. The world it 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 was revealed. Yeah. Hey, Rick, would you close that door? Yeah. You
1: know what? Maybe that picture was like
0: that. (laughs) Did you did did that is that how that came to you?
1: how long did
0: it take you to do it? A couple of months. So you didn't... You just started doing that and it came to you as you went or do you had... It just came into your mind and then you drew what was in your mind? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. It sounds stupid, I know. But I can't.
0: But I mean, you didn't sit around and ponder for hours and hours what you were going to draw on there. No. It just came to you and you painted well, I made that. Uh, 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 preliminary
1: sketches.
0: Yeah, but I I don't know where I got
1: the figures from. I forget. Yeah, I forget where the figures came. I I just thought maybe it's
0: something similar to that. Yes, got It had to be because none of those. What what Larry's referring to you for those you can't see. He painted this big mural on the side. It's not just. It's not just. Uh, the Lord's Supper, it's an interpretation of the Lord's yeah. Supper. Uh, you, you didn't just paint what the paint by numbers thing was. You, or Leonardo da Vinci's version. Right. You, you painted your own version. And each of those characters has a face. He has expressions. They're in certain poses. And uh, you're saying that it had to come that way. Maybe it had to that yeah. I think art, music, uh, poetry, novels a lot of times that's how it comes um, so because God reveals it and at that point all we are is receptacles and we're repeating it to somebody else uh, I have to say that's how that's how my sermons come uh, and they come each week and I told my wife when they stop coming that way I'll quit because I don't want to be going around trying to think trying to make work of what should I say about, because there's so much to say. Uh, and the Lord always gives it to me. I start with the scripture, and then I'll just start writing. And it's almost like uh, what the uh, su- the superstitious people call automatic writing, which means you hear the voice in your head, you hear the words in your head, and you just write what you hear. That's how I write a sermon. Yeah. yeah. Now, people, when you hear this, they're either, A, they're not going to believe it, or number two, they're going to think I'm nuts. Maybe. I might be. But that's how I do the sermons. And when the Lord stops giving that to me, I'll stop. You know? uh, my When I uh, I retired the first time and we were in Philadelphia, I was talking to my brother-in-law. And I said, I retired. Mark, when are you going to retire? He said, I don't know. I'm just going to keep working. I said, well, why do you keep working? You know, you, you, you have plenty of money. He said, I still have my fastball. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, how he put it. Yeah. He said, I still yeah, have my I fastball. So I'll consider that I still have my fastball as long as the Lord keeps giving yeah, yeah, me, yeah. you know, what to say. So what he says is one of the first indications of the Christmas season is the appearance of lights. Lights on trees, candles in windows, Christmas lights in New York City. They bring the tree, and they're still doing it so far. They haven't stopped. They bring the tree in the Rockefeller Center, and somebody pushes a button and that whole thing lights up. And, and it's an now, why would light be such a symbol? And again, all these are three-dimensional symbols. It's not just, oh, there's a light. It has deep meaning. Why would people say, "Oh, Christmas"? The first symbol we're going to use is light. Star. star. One, one as I said, there's many aspects. One thing is, what's what pre the premonition of Christmas was the star. There was some convergence of lights in the sky. Uh, in the east that said we have seen a star in the east they came from the east and they saw the star so the star must have been west of them and that's what made them travel by the way where are the wise men from anybody uh, anybody know where in modern day where the wise men traveled from today it's called Iran they, tra- they were Persians and they traveled from Persians were a very advanced society in those days and they read the stars. They were mathematicians, too. There's a lot of things. Persians, very sophisticated people. Today's Iranians, very sophisticated. And uh, if you call them Arabs, they get offended. They're not Arabs. They're Persians. That's something completely different. Uh, they all end up being enemies of Israel. But uh, the, the, the wise men. And what the other thing is, how many wise men were there? I already told you this.
1: <laughs> <They don't laughs> no one know. Know.
0: The Bible never says how many how many wise men. If, if,
1: if there were three gifts, that's why they always say
0: three. Yeah. It, it said they brought them gifts: them. gold and frankincense and myrrh. So people thought, oh, there must have been three of them. Uh, the best guesses are there are more than three. They traveled in sort of a caravan when they saw, because they traveled a long way, get there. Anyway, light. So there's several reasons. You have the star that signaled, that was the, the prophecy that there would be a star that signaled. But there's there's more to it. The secular part of it is what happens on de- Christmas is celebrated December twenty fifth. What happens December twenty fourth? Anybody remember? Any any as- astronomers here?
1: Oh, darkness. Winter
0: solstice. Shortest day of the year is December 24th. Uh, because, and so that's the, consequently, it's the darkest day of the year. So they celebrated Christmas on the 25th, which was the first day when the light, began to lengthen days start getting longer December 25th. Does it make sense? That's why the secular holiday and a lot of it was just called festival of light. Because you know it, 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 there, there's gonna be light. But there's a there's a greater there's a greater meaning. So all these lights yeah, there's, it's a symbol of this is the darkest time of year. We're going to light it up. It's a symbol of the star in the east predicted Christ's birth. There's more to it. Okay. Who's, who proclaims they're the light of the world?
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. So, and what did God create on the first day of creation? The light. So what did it and what was there before God created light? Darkness. <laughs> Not just darkness. Nothing. nothing. Void. 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 Nothing. Nothingness. It's hard to comprehend.
1: I think it says void,
0: uh, Yeah, but it means nothing. Yeah. No, it means I got nothing from nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah. There's nothing. Nothing. So God creates. The universe out of nothing, and he does it with light. Now, light is pure energy, but it also has, they're discovering it also has mass, it has particles. And uh, it is also the fastest natural force in the universe. What is it? What did they say? They measured it like 186,000 miles per second. I, that's all the physics. So it's it's enormous power, and none of none of the theories of Big Bang contradict the fact that the Bible says the universe was created with light, which which is pure energy, pure power. So now, but also the Christ. I you I can make the case, and people have, that the first incarnation of Christ is the first day of creation when God said, "Let there be light." Because John's going to say later, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." This all ties together, because and the Word means uh, sub a rational substance. If if you if you give a word you, you use a word to describe something you're basically giving it meaning or you're drawing meaning out of it because you're using a word word means logic reason order and then light reveals logic he, and he's going he's going to get into this so let's let's go he says no matter the the world what's the world before God? Nothing. It doesn't even exist. Not only isn't there anything in it, it is not it. It doesn't even exist. So now the world has fallen into darkness because of human sin and human desire to not only, I don't even like to use the word sin because it's the minor league compared to what the rebellion of Adam and Eve were. The, the, The sin of Adam and Eve wasn't just, oh, they, oh, they stole something, or they disobeyed something. The sin of Adam and Eve was they wanted to be God. The temptation was the devil knows when you eat of this. God knows when you eat his fruit, you'll be like him. You'll be able to decide right for That's this. That's the evil. It's not just oh they they ate a piece of fruit when they weren't supposed to. It just, the, even the word sin to me it trivializes what the rebellious evil was against god it's not just that i'm going to insult you or disobey you or even uh do violence against you it's that i want to be you i want to be you see and that and that that was the what's which trivialized by calling it original sin i you see what i'm trying to get at here Yeah. Yeah. It's way worse than simple disobedience. You know, it's that I want to be you so that you're unnecessary to me. The worst thing you can say to somebody else is you're, you're unnecessary to me. I'm going to, I'm gonna, I can survive totally without you. I'll just, I'll just take over your, your existence, you know, and uh, it's the ultimate act of power. Uh, and this is what war is. Uh, and it, and it, by the way, I get in trouble for saying this too. But this is why the United States is such a great country. The countries we go to war with, we don't subjugate them and take it over afterward. Uh, after we won war, we won World War II. Did we subjugate Japan and Germany and Italy and take over the land? No, uh, no, no, of course not. They had what they called the Marshall Plan and made it better. So when God says he's going to bring his he's going to retake the earth, the earth has been sort of kidnapped by darkness and evil. And the intent of Christmas is God's going to retake his creation and it's going to take an act of a second creation for him to do this. Okay, so you have the darkness in the world. He says, no matter what you want in there to do in a room, you must first turn on the light. He's going to bring all these aspects of light in here. What is? What does light do? He said, you can't. Christmas contains many spiritual truths, but they will be hard to grasp. It'll be hard to grasp the others unless we grasp this one first. That is, the world is a dark place and we'll never find our way or see reality Unless Jesus is our light, getting back to the right from wrong, people don't know right from wrong today. They don't know good from evil, and it's getting worse generation by generation. Uh, my mother used to say they don't know any better. Well, they don't. It's like Jesus said from the cross, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." They don't. They can't tell right from wrong because they don't have any. They're living in darkness. So he's but Bible says uh, Matthew says the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned and then John says about Jesus the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world he was in the world and though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him how is the world dark. In the Bible, the word "darkness" refers to both evil and ignorance. It means first that the world is filled with evil and untold suffering. I mean, people, you ever hear people say, "Oh, times are really bad. Now it's worse than it ever was." When people say that, I always say, "No, it's not. It's the same as it ever was. It was like that when Jesus uh, came into the world. World, world was in darkness." And uh, 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 evil and untold suffering, uh, there was violence, injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees, fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, and bottomless grief. Does this sound familiar? I mean, it's just like today. The other way our world is in the dark is that no one knows enough to cure the evil and suffering in it. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, is a famous Christmas text. Uh, But in verses 19 and 20, uh, we see people consulting mediums and magicians instead of God. You have a lot of that today. People are searching for meaning. They're afraid. Uh, People who get desperate enough, in their suffering or pain will seek any remedy and so you can be a complete nut and if somebody thinks you can help them they'll still consult you uh, and all of us have been in situations where we're afraid enough or we're suffering enough we're going to reach out and grasp for anything that we can get you know that's darkness you're in a cave and it's dark You're reaching out. You can't see your hand in front of you. So what's going on? So, and then there's people that say, oh, we can shed light on this. We can uh, meet this suffering. We can relieve this pain. Uh, They're looking toward the earth and to human resources to fix the world. They look to experts mystics, scholars, scientists right now everybody's looking at Dr. Fauci, why oh he's a he's a scientist He's he's a medical doctor. He's the expert. You see what I mean We're gonna, and again, I'm not picking on him I'm just saying the world when they're in darkness and confusion and they're suffering they they look for experts and they want to find an expert. What's the problem with human experts? They can be in error. Uh, They might have to change their stories. Even if if they're following the science. They use that. We follow the science. Well, science reveals new clues and facts and conditions as it goes on. So we might have to change our story. So what good does this do? Uh, now some people look to, he says some people look to the state, they look to the government. Why don't the city council straighten everything out of here? Uh, some look to the market, to the investment. Who is will somebody, maybe somebody with money can solve this? And some people look to technology. I think in a way we all look to we all look to technology. Let's let's find some technology. That'll solve our... I used to get lost all the time driving a car. I have not been lost driving a car in 10 years. You know why? (laughs) I remember saying to Carol, 40 years ago, we used to drive from... uh, Almost 50 years ago, now. We used to drive from Boston to Pittsburgh in that little Volkswagen up through the Pocono Mountains, winding around. You're looking at the map which way... I said, Carol, one of these days, and you asked her, I, I I said it. I said, one of these days, the car is going to have a video map in it, and the, you're going to be able to look and see where you are and where you're going. And lo and behold, you know, here we are. took 40 years. Uh, and uh, the Lord knows what they have now. They, you know, they, again, we, uh, uh, Rick and I were just talking, they have self driving. My uh, my investment guy, um, the my investment advisor has a Tesla, and he came right up. He drove up the driveway. I didn't hear a thing. You can't hear anything. It's it's kind of almost scary. And uh, he said, I love this car. He said, and he puts it on autopilot when he gets on uh, highway. He says, I get I put it on autopilot. I get my iPad out. I do my work. I make phone calls. I, he said, I, it just goes. You know, so, but again, that's technology. Now, does that sort of does that sort of technology make the human condition any less miserable? It does not. it does not. Uh, he says uh, and then you got uh, intellect. some people look to intellect. let let's find somebody who's smart and they'll they'll tell us what to do. He says, uh, years ago, I read an ad, and I'm going to bottom on page seven here, and I'm going to quote from him. Years ago, I read an ad in the New York Times that said, the meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph, and that we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us, and so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness of the world. And have you ever heard politicians or scholars or scientists say, we can overcome poverty, injustice, violence, and evil. If we only work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. Don't you hear this a lot? sounds really good. It, doesn't that sound wonderful? Uh, and the watch word today is you'll hear these two words together all the time now. We, we're going to come together. And it's not, not stealing from John Lennon from 50 years ago. Come together, you know, or me. Do you ever hear him use that word? Oh, we gotta, we gotta just come together. Community activists like to use it. We just have to come together. Come together to do what?
1: Be kind to each other. <laughs>
0: you can come together to riot. Yeah. You can come together to shoplift. You can come, come together to commit crimes. Uh, come together is not a noble thing. But even if we all come together and say we're going to bring peace in the world, well, it hasn't happened so far. You know, um, he, he, he so can we uh, so then he quotes a guy named Vaclav Havel. And I, I have never heard this before. He was the president of the Czech Republic. And it says, he had a unique vantage point from which to peer deeply into both socialism and capitalism. Don't you hear everybody arguing, what's better social? Of course, we think socialism is evil. And all the socialists think capitalism is evil. Because both, they're just human economic systems and human political systems. Both of them, being human, have flaws. Right. Uh, You a lot of times you say, if only we had more money. Well, you you might have more money. You might misspend it or you might spend it for the wrong things. So more money alone doesn't do you any good. So this guy says uh, this president, Czech Republic, it says he knew that science unguided by moral principles had given us the Holocaust. Nazi Germany had the best technology in the world. They had the best scientists. They had the best philosophers. They had the best uh, Hitler. You can hate him, but he was the best politician in the world at the time. He made fools of all the other politicians. And he's pure evil. But this is why I say being a politician is, isn't necessarily a noble thing. It just means you can control others. So don't get wrong what I'm saying. This is an evil guy but he knew how to control other. He controlled the whole country. But did you know that he was never elected? He was appointed to take over. Uh, uh, you, you, you look it up. He wasn't elected in a free democratic election. Uh, he, he just came to power. That's politics. And any of these people that love power today in the United States or anywhere else, they'd prefer not to have to be elected. Do you think once you get in the United States Senate, you want to go have to run for office again? It's the most exclusive club in the world. And so is the House of Representatives. And did you know that once you get appointed to the House of Representatives, you you get appointed for a two-year term. If you lose that next term, you get that salary for the rest of your life. Did you know that? So all you got to do is get elected once. (laughs) But do you think they want to go back every two years and get elected? Heck no. They'd prefer to just be appointed for life because that's what power does. Power will corrupt you. So he says uh, he concluded that neither technology nor the state nor the market alone could save us from nuclear conflict, ethnic violence, environmental degradation, pursuit of the good life, will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy alone enough. Everybody says, oh, democracy, democracy. Democracy just means everybody gets a vote. And a lot of people are fools. They misuse their vote. It's the truth. So democracy can't save us. So he said, a turning to and seeking of God is needed. The human race constantly forgets that it is not God. So no matter how much technology we have, no matter how much knowledge we have, no matter how much wisdom we have, without God as our moral compass, we're still in darkness. That's his point. So he says, here's the the real message of Christmas. Uh, The message of Christmas is not that we can put together a world of unity and peace. We can't. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Humanity cannot save itself. The belief that we can save ourselves, that some political system or ideology can fix human problems, has only led to more darkness in every generation. So then he quotes uh, Bertrand Russell. I don't know if you heard of Bertrand. He was a famous atheist. Okay. Um, I want to read his, uh, his quote. It's on page nine for you if you have books. He said, such an outline, but even more purposeless, more void of meaning is the world which science presents." So what he's saying is you can be an atheist. And, okay, so what do you got to believe in? Well, you can believe in science. And this guy who was an atheist said, well, that's even worse. If you're depressed, not believe, trying to believe in God, try not believing in God and believe in science, that's even worse. And here's how, why he describes it. Uh, the void of meaning, the world in which science presents, that man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end they were achieving that man's origin his growth his hopes his fears his loves and his beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms that no fire no heroism no intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave that all the labors of the ages all the devotion all the inspiration all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system, and that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair, can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built? You, you see what he's saying? The only thing that lasts is human suffering. So if you build your life on accepting human suffering, that's the only ground you can stand on. Uh, is that depressing? That, that's, that's what he's saying. That's dark. But uh, where else is atheism? atheism going to take you? where's it taking you're back to where you started with nothing. It's not, it's nothing. Uh, that's what, uh, by the way, that's what Seinfeld's pitched to the producers at, at, at the network. Uh, when he invented a show, they said, what's it going to be about? He said, nothing. It's going to be about nothing. Now, you know, he's a smart guy too. It wasn't about nothing. It was just about everyday life, Yeah, you know? so, so, Uh, He says, Christmas, therefore, is the most unsentimental, realistic way of looking at life. It does not say, cheer up, if we all pull together, we can make the world a better place. That isn't what Christmas says. What's Christmas saying? There's hope because God comes from outside the world. And God's the only one that can save us. The Bible never counsels indifference to the forces of darkness. The fourth that says the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. The message of Christianity is things really are as bad as you think. They really are. And we cannot he- save ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. Things are really dark. Nevertheless, there is hope. Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And notice that it doesn't say from the world. The light didn't come from the world. But upon the world, a light has dawned. You see, so again, this is a new, this is a New Testament's version of creation. A new a light has dawned on the world same as at the very beginning god created light and saw the light was good then but adam and eve choose darkness and the word gets enveloped in darkness so god comes again in the a, in a second creation so the light has to come the solution to humans brought to our predicament has to come from outside That's the difference between people that don't believe in God and people that do. People, people don't believe in God. They, you can say, well, how are you going to solve the world's problems? Then? how are you going to solve Some people say, well, religion caused the world. Okay, let's remove religion aside. Solve the world's problems. See what they say. I don't think. I think they got nothing. There's light outside, Christmas says, and Jesus has brought the gift. So then he gets in, and, and good, we got, we got, almost half our time left. So what is when Isaiah speaks of God's light dawning on a dark world? Uh, he's using the sun, that's S U N, as a symbol. Sunlight was uh, real, very important to the ancients. What did it bring? It Light brings life, truth, and beauty. So he just talks about a secular standpoint. Let's say, what happens if the sun goes dark? If the sun went out, we would freeze. Not only would it be dark, it would be cold. So we, we, would, we, would, we would freeze. Only in God do we live and move and have our being. So the light that God provides gives us, makes it possible for us to live. You know, we're, we're dead without him. Not only aren't we enlightened, we're dead. Mm-hmm. In him we live and move. We exist only because God's upholding us, keeping us together, Every moment, and he says, "You are borrowing your being from God. We're borrowing our life now from God. Every breath we make, God give, God gives us." So. so I'm talking too much. Anybody have any questions or comments so far? All right. So the sun gives the sun the light gives us life. The second thing, the sun and the light. I'll use them gives us truth he says if you drive a car at night without your headlights on you'll probably crash light reveals the truth of things how they really are and you will not have enough truth to steer the car safely so too the bible says God is the source of all truth at one level, the only reason you can know anything is because of God. At another level, we know we can't possibly know who God is unless he reveals himself to us, which, is, which he does in the Bible. So the light of the sun gives us life. The light of the sun gives us truth, helps us be able to see things. And third, it says he says the sun is beautiful. Light is dazzling and gives us, uh, that is true literally. In places where there are only a few hours of daylight, many people suffer from depression. I don't know. And I've known people suffered from depression that use lights. I don't know. where You've heard of that light therapy? Some of them use this wave of
1: light light and then you sit under it for some hours or something. It's seasonal
0: depression, Mm-hmm. Greg came over last night and fixed the lights under our counter <laughs> and for some reason we it bothers us when those lights won't light when we when they when we can get them to light up we feel we literally feel better they calling her about Scott are they calling her about Scott I, I, oh you don't know okay really think so. All Since right. yeah Scott had to go to Shadyside Side. He, he had a uh, seizure, her brother. So I'm figuring they're keeping her updated. In places where there are only a few hours of daylight, people do get depressed. And uh, so that's why in winter, a lot of people get depressed in winter because uh, it's not we don't see enough sunlight. I will tell you that western Pennsylvania is one of the darkest places to live in the United States. Yes, We have the most cloudy days. Mm-hmm. Uh, only rivaled by Seattle. Mm-hmm.
1: we have less
0: than Seattle. We have less in Seattle. Less, four, yeah.
1: Four or five less sunny days than
0: Seattle. Yeah. People say how you know that? Google it. It's go. it'll it, they will tell yeah. you. Mm-hmm. So light can be the source of actual source of joy. And what he's saying is again, like light, joy is really found in God. And anything you do enjoy is derivative. Because what you're really looking for is God, whether you know it or not. When people are saying, Oh, I, I just want to be happy, it means I'm looking for God's presence in my life. Uh, otherwise, happiness comes and goes with with human with the human condition. Okay, so then he says uh the dawning of the light. I'm on I'm on page 12 now. God alone has the life, truth, and joy that we lack, we can't generate ourselves. So how did we get this light? Isaiah 9 says, it it literally flashed upon us. Verse 6 and 7, most well-known verses of the chapter, answer with stunning directness, tells us the light has come, for to us a child is born. This child brings it because he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Have you heard these four? Yeah, you guys sung it. Have you ever heard this? These four titles for Christ. Yeah, they're meant. Yeah, they're meant specifically to describe God's nature. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And yeah, one of those things, people say, oh, I, I believe in an all-loving God. And other people say, well, I believe in an all-powerful God. But an all-powerful God might be something to be feared unless he's also all-loving. Okay? So you can't just believe in an all-powerful God. Fortunately, we believe in an all-loving God. Now, there's other people that say, oh, I believe in an all-loving God. Well, uh, I can love you, but I might not have the power to help you or correct your situation. God's loving and powerful. There, there's the God I want, right? That I want both. Yeah. There's, there's, a,
1: there's a place in the Bible that says, um, he can uh, he, he can lift up and he can destroy and nobody can deliver out of my hand. Right. And uh, you know, like like another word, I can heal and I can uh, uh, not heal. You know, I don't know I how. Yeah. Oh goes The Lord and the Lord takes away. I think
0: you got more than one verse there. Yeah. But Jesus says, God, it, it, God has given all his disciples to him and no one can snatch them out of his hand.
1: No, that wasn't what I, I mean. The Old Testament. Where,
0: oh, OK. Where,
1: where he says, uh, and and no one can deliver out of my
0: hand. Oh, OK. No one can deliver out of his. Yeah. Oh, huh? so he, he's the giver he of life
1: to, to heal or destroy or mm-hmm. whatever he wants to do. Yeah.
0: And no one can deliver out of his hand. Yep. Uh, I quote a funeral verse, and I, I forget which one, it, what, what chapter and verse it is, but it says, uh, The Lord giveth, and the Lord hath taken away. The Lord taketh away. That's from Jehovah. Yeah. So only God has that power to give life or to take it. Okay. Now, I don't know why
1: you brought that
0: up. Yeah, well. There, that's a big. That's a big subject. So you can almost do a whole another whole Bible study, yeah, yeah, because then then what you have to do if you have an all powerful God, I'll just I'll just give you what the problem is. If you have an all powerful God like that, then that means He must know about all the suffering that goes on, but He chooses not to alleviate. God doesn't alleviate all suffering. In case you haven't noticed that, there's people who've prayed to God for years and years for God to save them for God to heal them for God. God doesn't. So you either have to say, well, maybe he's not powerful enough, which is what some people say. But if you say, oh yeah, God's powerful enough. Then what do you have to say? He chose not to, you know, he can give life. He can take, we take issue with that. We can take, that's, that's a God that you can take issue with. See, uh, if you're proud and you think, you know, better, you know, uh, you can take issue. Um, so anyway, he, he, he's going to get to a point here. He says, uh, it's almost too limiting. I'm going to top page 13 to say that we celebrate God at Christmas. We stare dumbstruck, lost in wonder, love and praise. The rest of this book will be touching on numerous. That's, that's, that somebody sent me a text. In the rest of this book, we'll be touching on numerous implications of God being born into our world. Let's mention only two at the start. First, and this is what he's going to base the rest of the book on if Jesus Christ is really mighty God and everlasting Father, you can't just like him. Now, what's he mean by that? It means in the Bible, the peach people who actually saw and heard Jesus never reacted indifferently or even mildly. Once they realized what he was claiming about himself, either they were scared of him and furious with him, or they knelt down before him and worshiped him. Think about it. But no one simply liked him. Nobody said, oh, he's so inspiring. He makes me want to live a better life. Mm -hmm. I like that movie, by the way, of Jack Nicholson, as good as it gets. Anybody see that movie? It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. Jack Nicholson and Helen, what's her name's in that? He said, Helen Hunt. He says to her at a certain place, uh, "You make me want to be a better man. You make me want to be a better man." Uh, no, no one, no, no one looks at Jesus and said, "Oh, you make me, you make me want to be, be a better person." That's not, it's not the idea that Jesus makes you a good person. Uh, if the baby born at Christmas is the mighty God, then you must serve Him completely. Second, if Jesus is wonderful counselor and prince of peace, you should want to serve him. Why is he called a counselor? When you're going through something very difficult, it's good to talk to someone who has walked the same path, who knows personally uh, what you're going through. If God has really been born in a manger, then we have something that no one other religion even claims to have. And this is why people say all oh, religions say, no, they're not. No other religion has a God who was born of a virgin and grew as and lived as a man. No, no, really. there's no other religion that says God has suffered, that God had to be cre- courageous, that God knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends, that God knows what it's like to be crushed by injustice, that God knows what it's like to be tortured and died. Christmas shows God knows what you're going through. When you talk to him, he understands. All right. So God asks for nothing that He is not asked of Himself. He Himself has gone through a whole world of uh, human experience. Okay. Now I'm going to skip around here because we're getting toward the end. Any other comments or questions so far? I'm going to read this last uh, quote from C.S. Lewis. I love C.S. Lewis. Uh, It's on page 18. He says, We catch an insight about the incarnation, about God becoming flesh. We catch sight of a new key principle, the power of the higher, capital H, just insofar as, as it is truly higher to come down, the power of the greater, to include the less everywhere the great enters the little its power to do so is almost the test of its greatness in other words the great christmas story is god has descended god has come down uh anybody ever hear reagan's trickle down economics i thought of this immediately when we said this because where's my if you if the world needs money uh and 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 you want to spend money to help somebody, where's the money going to come from? It's not going to come from people who don't have money. It can only come from people who have money. And people say, oh, it comes from the government. No, the government only gets money from you. Government only gets money from people who have money. So I don't want to get into politics, but... This is the idea that Christmas says only God can help us. Why? God's the only one who, who has the resources to help us. He's the only one who has the wisdom to help us. He's the only one who has the power to help us. Yeah? And people say, this is why I always hated churches say, oh, we don't have any money. We're just a little church. We're poor. That's completely false. God, if the church is God's people, the church has everything that God gives us at at, at our disposal. You know, because what what the church has to do is have the optimism and the confidence to manage wealth. We manage out of abundance. Uh, it's it's a trickle down. We get this from God. Uh, so. So I'll just. Uh, Uh, give him this last paragraph because it transitions into next week when Jesus died on the cross darkness fell over the land the light of the world descended into darkness in order to bring us into God's beautiful light and with this people don't realize part of the creed and part of the scripture is Jesus descended into hell people never think why is Jesus descended into hell First, he's sacrificing himself. But if I'm going to come down to your level or to the world's level, I can't just come down to the level of human sinfulness. I have to go down to the depth of evil itself to pull it out at the root. So God, go- Jesus goes to hell to claim his territory back. He said, this doesn't belong to you. This belongs to me. And I'm I'm reclaiming it. And that's what he did. So, and then again, that's a whole, that could be a subject of a whole series too. How is it that Jesus defeats hell? Jesus doesn't just come against hell and then hell still exists later. Jesus destroys hell because he destroys evil. It's a lot to take in, but I'll I'll, I'll bait you with that one. So next uh, week, read Chapter Two, which he entitles "The Mothers of Jesus," and uh, we're going to move beyond beyond the light part. So, well, hey, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us, and I'm going to turn you guys off for now.